Hello, welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Jill Anderson, filling in for Matt Weber. Today we are speaking with Jesus Cisneros, an assistant professor at the University of Central Arkansas, where he focuses on immigration, higher education, and student affairs. Jesus co-founded Dream Zone, a professional development workshop at Arizona State University, initially aimed at providing student leaders, staff, and faculty with knowledge, skills, and resources to meet the needs of undocumented students. The workshop has since expanded to helping schools and community organizations. Welcome to the EdCast, Jesus. Thank you for having me. It's really great to have you here today. So tell me, when you launched Dream Zone in 2012, we were living in what some might argue was a very different time. What was the impetus of launching a professional development program particularly aimed at higher education? Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, I think the impetus was definitely the fact that we were living in the hotbed of immigration, right, in Phoenix, Arizona. And yet there was a lack of visibility of visible support structures on campus to support the needs of our undocumented student population, our immigrant student population. And so uh, as students, as uh, paraprofessionals, and then some as staff and faculty, uh, we, we decided that it was, you know, it was time to make that visibility happen. And what better way to start than with those individuals that are um, employed to support students, right? So student service professionals, student affairs practitioners, um, faculty and staff. And so for us, it was about creating professional development opportunities that tailored to the needs of students and that responded to their presence and needs on campus. So that was quite some time ago. Can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing, particularly at the higher ed level, in now in regards to the needs of undocumented students? Has it changed? I think it, it definitely has changed. Uh, when we started Dream Zone, uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals had not been announced yet, and so uh, there's definitely been modifications to the curriculum, there's been modifications to our approach uh, based on changes within the social political context of the U.S., and so uh, now with DACA, and just speaking specifically uh, from the Arizona perspective, um, just last year, or yeah, just last year, we were able to uh, push for in-state tuition for DACA recipients within the state, and so that's something that previously we didn't have. So uh, when we talk about undocumented students and access to higher education, a lot of the times uh, we're talking about in-state tuition, uh, state-based financial aid, um, as well as other services and, and support resources that are allocated to other student populations, but often you know ignored for undocumented students. And so, um, with this you know effort, with this initiative, Dream Zone on campus, a lot of what we've been able to do is challenge practitioners to work within the scope of their positions to better support uh, or to better aim to support undocumented students within all, all aspects of higher education. Can you give me some examples of what that might look like kind of on the ground? Yeah, so on the ground, a lot of the times um, what we need to be cognizant of is the limitations that undocumented students or undocumented immigrants have uh, depending on the state. And so Prior to DACA, for example, many students were ineligible for state IDs, state driver's licenses, 
And so something is, you know, as simple as a state ID or driver's license and requiring that for participation in events, programs, et cetera, can be a barrier for student participation on campus. Uh, I also want to uh, just acknowledge that not all undocumented students are eligible for deferred action for childhood arrivals. Mm -hmm. And so that's another conversation that we, we try to elucidate within uh, our, our work with DreamZone, that we need to be cognizant of like the different situations that students may be in uh, and then the implications of that. Um, so we know that undocumented students are ineligible for federal financial aid mm -hmm. and within some states they're not eligible for state-based financial aid. Sometimes they have to pay out of state tuition and so when we, for those of us that work within financial aid or within um, scholarships offices, when we have the opportunity to create the requirements for scholarships, um, we, we what we challenge people to think about is how necessary is it for, you know, a social security number to be a requirement for that, right? Uh, because who would we be, who would we be excluding uh, when we require social security number or citizenship as part of participation in a scholarship? Uh, and same with our approaches to uh, funding and financing and so forth. Uh, how we, how can we create? funding opportunities that are uh, private or that are open to all students, regardless of their immigration status. And so those are just a couple of things off the top of my head. <laughs> it seems like there's a climate of fear around what may happen going forward, especially with DACA and some of these other acts that have been put in place. But so far, it looks like most colleges and universities, at least when you see in the news, are really taking steps to make some supports for undocumented students. I think I've read about coordinators being hired to help, um, pleas being made for undocumented students to move forth with applying and especially for aid. Is this the general reaction you're seeing from colleges and universities or is, is this something that depends where it is, supports that are in place? Yeah, I think these are definitely the exceptions uh, within, you know, the greater mm -hmm. context of higher education for undocumented students. I think in more immigrant-heavy states like California, for example, we, we, we definitely see that a lot more where we have undocumented student centers, where we have staff designated uh, as like the DACA specialist or the undocumented student specialist, where opportunities are created for students to have uh, work-study opportunities, for example, based on state funds versus federal funds. Uh, and so, I, like I said, I think those are great models. Unfortunately, those are the exception, right? Um, in states uh, like Arkansas, where I'm currently at right now, where that visibility is not necessarily that apparent for the larger campus community, those are conversations that are not happening. And so the thing that we try to stress through our work with DreamZone is if we're taking students' tuition money then we should be allocating services and support for them, right? Because they are yeah. just like every other student on campus. And so we need to be very aware of what we are intentionally doing to support uh, this specific student population. What do you think some of those colleges and universities where they are not heavy in their population of undocumented students, what do you think they're struggling with the most? Is it just not even on their radar or ignore it and it'll go away? Well, I think the social political context is definitely one of those barriers, right? When, when there are threats to, you know, financing and funding of higher education, uh, if, you know, campuses declare themselves sanctuaries, um, 
there's there's threats from the, from the state to cut funds and so forth. And so there's a lot of pressures not only from the state but also from donors, uh, and then from individuals who just see this as a political issue, and that you know forget that behind this issue of immigration there are students, there are human beings that we need to be able to attend to in this approach. So we can't forget that human perspective. Play devil's advocate. As you already know, there's a lot of people out there who would completely disagree with this idea that we should be supporting undocumented students um, and that they should be receiving any aid or going to college. So I just want to clarify, in many cases, these students do apply as international. Is, is that correct, or does it really depend on where you're at? So that's another great example of like yeah. things that practitioners can do, right, uh, to change the campus culture on campus. Uh, sometimes the structures that we have in place require that undocumented students or individuals who are unable to uh, provide proof of state residency or you know any type mm -hmm. of legal presence, uh, they have to apply as international students because they wouldn't qualify via the residency requirements uh, by the institution. And so that's institutional policy that can definitely be changed to accommodate those members of our communities, right? And so I would say, you know, for people that are, you know, against this issue or just not open to hearing about this issue, uh, that doesn't change the fact that undocumented immigrants are part of our communities, that there are neighbors, that there are family members for some of us. Uh, some of us are, you know, and so beyond that, I also want to say that I think it's also important to, to just think about higher education even like as a business in mm -hmm. this sense when you are again taking uh, customers money you know you should be able to provide customer service and and for undocumented students who are paying tuition just like any other student mm -hmm. on campus uh, that they also need support services why do you think it's so important for these students to pursue higher education I think that's gonna be on an individual level right and and just, you know, speaking from my perspective as a naturalized citizen, uh, for me, education was inculcated from the very beginning. Uh, we were socialized even through public education that education was our way out of poverty, that education is our way into that lifestyle that, you know, many of us want. And additionally, when the workforce requires a bachelor's degree, a master's degree in order for entry-level positions or for opportunity to become incorporated into society, into the workforce, it becomes a necessity that everyone should have access and the opportunity to obtain. Right. So the fears of deportation are also on, I think, a lot of people's minds. How do you think colleges and universities can kind of quell that fear, if at all? Yeah, I think uh, fear is definitely an issue, and, and it's, you know, it's pervasive. Um, again, a lot having to do with some of, you know, the executive actions that have, you know, been announced uh, from the president, as well as through local enforcement uh, and immigration agents collaborating with uh, police at the local level. Um, I think as institutions of higher education, one of the greatest things that we can do is you know affirm the students that we serve and support and i think institutions can serve as you know sanctuaries for students 
when we take a stance and say that regardless of individuals' immigration status, we are going to support the students that we admit and enroll. Uh, I would also say, like, w with the previous question about um, education and why that why that's so important, I think something to also contextualize is that many of the bills that have been proposed through Congress in the past, starting since 2001, when the DREAM Act uh, was, you know, introduced um, for um, into Congress, a lot of these opportunities for obtaining a pathway to citizenship have an education requirement. And so back then with the DREAM Act, it was some college education, right? And there's been revisions and different versions of that bill uh, that have been proposed over time. It hasn't passed. But even when you look at DACA today, which does not provide a pathway to citizenship, just a temporary reprieve from deportation and a work permit, there's still that education as a, as a requirement for DACA, right? And in this case, it's K-12 education or, or a, G, um, a GED. Uh, but nonetheless, education is definitely tied to immigration. Uh, and it's a direct connection. And so it's very important that as institutions of higher education, we acknowledge this connection and our responsibility to uh, support those students within our community. Great. I mean, I think that this has been a really enlightening conversation with you today and very insightful and thoughtful reflection on sort of the current state of what's happening with uh, undocumented students in higher education. So thank you, Jesus, for speaking with us about your work. If people want to learn more about Dream Zone or, or reach out, how can they do that? Uh, I think the best way would be to contact uh, Arizona State University. They have a Dream Zone specialist now, and so that's one thing that I, I wanted to mention earlier that this work started off as being student-led and it has led to opportunities for now um, DACA students to obtain work opportunities on campus to lead this work and to have that space on campus. And so I would refer uh, anyone interested in learning a little bit more to uh, the Dream Zone specialist at Arizona State University. But you heard it, everyone. Go check out Dream Zone. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Jill Anderson. Thank you for listening.